When should my period actually start? What actually happens to my body when I'm on my period? Is PMS rage a valid excuse? Are tampons ruining my insides? Welcome to Seeing Red, the podcast that answers the questions you've always wanted to ask about your period and gets really, really real about periods, puberty, health, and all the awkward bits in between. My name is Katie, and I'm both your Seeing Red host and a member of the Marvelous Moddy Body team. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to tell you just a little bit about Moddy Body. It is Australia's original and leading leak-proof apparel brand and has been developing products to manage periods, perspiration, pregnancy, and incontinence. Despite having a huge success in the market, Moddy Body decided to do something groundbreaking and develop a little sister brand named Red. Red has been designed specifically for girls starting their periods and teens with periods. Red has been designed specifically for young girls starting their periods and teens with periods. Red has funky underwear with a built-in absorbent panel, allowing girls to choose a much more environmental, comfortable and convenient, yep, no more worrying about getting caught out at school, protective option. You can wear red as much... Red has funky underwear. Red has funky underwear with a built-in absorbent panel, allowing girls to choose a much more environmental, comfortable, and convenient protective option. You can wear Red by Moddy Body period-proof undies on their own or as a backup. And I must say, because I'm clearly completely unbiased, they are bloody good. Sorry, that was a shocking pun. (laughs) This week, we're talking all about endometriosis, how you can get it, if you can cure it, and everything in between. But just a content warning for listeners, there's some semi-graphic discussions about surgery in this episode, but if you're all good with that, then let's crack on with the show. As a certified owner of a vagina... I was horrified when I realised how little I knew about a disorder that affects a huge amount of people around the world. Studies suggest that 1 in 10 menstruating women deal with endometriosis, but yet so many people know nothing about it. So what exactly is endo? Well, it's a highly complicated disorder that comes in the form of lots of different symptoms and can be difficult to diagnose. Because of this, many women and medical professionals alike unknowingly dismiss the effects of endometriosis as bad period pain, leaving themselves to suffer through really sore cycles and self-medicate with paracetamol, hot water bottles, and a hell of a lot of chocolate. Endometriosis, by definition, is a condition where tissue, which normally lines the uterus, starts growing on other parts of the body. While this might not sound like the most painful thing in the world, endometriosis sufferers would completely disagree. Lena Dunham, who you probably know best from the hit show Girls, has spoken openly about her endo experience online, and so I want to repeat an extract from her own article on the moment she realised she was dealing with something more than just period pain. I began to feel a dull pain in my lower back, which became unmanageable around midnight. The next morning, I wandered into the living room in only a t-shirt. You okay, doll? My dad asked. Tears came as I gripped my pelvis and muttered, something's really wrong inside me. 
Without any scientific understanding of my own insides, I pictured a red rim around every organ, a fiery line slashing through my uterus and bladder and out of me onto the floor like a vag-centric Keith Haring painting. I can tell you the moment my life changed. I was in Los Angeles after we wrapped our first season of Girls with yet another immaculately conceived UTI and Jenny sent me over to Randy Harris, MD, the man who delivered both her children. He was, she assured me, the menchiest of menches. I sat down on the table and began a thorough exam. That's right, ladies, you know what I mean by thorough. It includes a light anal exploration. I just have a UTI. I need antibiotics, I told him. I'm fine otherwise. He said that with a new patient, he needed to do a full checkup. And he began asking me questions about my medical history. He teased the story out of me and I saw his eyes flicker as he began to make clear connections between the irregular periods, the crippling stomach pain, the chronic exhaustion, the intense shifts in mood around my period, the urinary tract pain, even when tests indicated nothing was wrong, the weight fluctuations, the lack of answers. Let me guess, he said, you've had your appendix poked a lot. I laughed with relief before I'd even heard him utter the word endometriosis. He sent me home with a prescription for a new kind of birth control, better equipped to suppress my symptoms and a possible name for my pain. It took Lena Dunham years of dealing with horrid symptoms and chronic pain to get diagnosed. Even though she had a team of assistants and a whole film crew subconsciously monitoring her health, So how in the heck does regular folk deal with the same issues? To get all the information about endometriosis, from invasive diagnostic surgeries all the way to whether or not endo is a death sentence, we had a chat with Dr. Tash. I'm just going to warn again, there are some graphic discussions about surgery, so if your queasiness can be audibly triggered, I would recommend skipping to the next episode now. So can you walk us through exactly what endometriosis is? So endometriosis is, is quite a complex, debilitating condition that one in 10 women have. Um, and it, it can be a, a huge kind of life-changing experience for women because a lot of women can have extreme pain, end up in hospital, days off work, etc. So what's going on when women, women have endometriosis is that the lining of the uterus comes to lie outside the uterus. So the, the uterine lining is called the endometrium. Um, when it's li- lying within the uterus where it should be, it's called utopic endometrium. When it's mm-hmm. lying outside the uterus, it's called ectopic. So that's a Greek word, ectos meaning outside. Yeah. Um, where is it when you say outside? It can be, like so if you imagine around. when you get a period, blood comes out your vagina. Yeah. Okay, it goes out through the cervix, out through the vagina and hence onto the body body underwear. You know, most women, when they have a period, some of that blood will go back through the tubes and into the pelvis. Oh. So okay. you will get what we call retrograde bleeding. So retro meaning backwards bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself is not generally a problem because the body is so intelligent. It's developed a system whereby it can actually clear that endometriotic fluid. Uh-huh. Or should I say endometrium? Um, and not necessarily develop into endometriosis. But in some women, what happens is for a number of factors we're not completely sure of, um, those cells then implant 
and then they develop into almost these small little kind of hormonal ecosystems that then grow and then can cause a lot of um, pelvic inflammation, Mm -hmm. um, adhesions, which is scar tissue, and quite a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Now, not all women with endometriosis have really bad period pain because that's the classic yeah. representation, severe period pain. Mm-hmm. Or pain that just continues to get worse year by year. Yeah. Or pain that um, breaks through when a woman is on the pill. Or she might have pain with intercourse. Yeah. Or she might have these random kind of pains up her bottom. Oh. Um, yeah, so it can present in really different ways. It can be bloating. It could be food intolerances. Uh, could be, you know, really bad diarrhea or constipation. So it has a, a, quite a variable way of presenting. Mm-hmm. And then there are some women with absolutely no symptoms. This is probably why it's very complicated to diagnose. Yeah, that's right. Well, the main complication with its diagnosis is that the gold standard for diagnosis is it does require surgery, yeah. laparoscopy. And um, especially in younger girls, there is this kind of... Um, uh, reluctance to operate yeah because it does involve an operation you know taking time off school or time off work and and there are there's lots of research going around where people are trying to find biomarkers or just a simple blood test that you can do to diagnose it yeah and whilst we have a blood test called ca125 um that can potentially point towards endometriosis it's it's a sensitive test but it's not specific for endometriosis and it will almost always be recommended to have surgery if it comes up positive yes yeah mostly <laughs> or yeah i mean it, it, you know it can, be, it can be up with a period with with fibroids with pelvic inflammatory disease so it's not specific for endo yeah but it can give you a bit of an idea of what's going on yeah um, so I think the, the main issue with diagnosis is de- definitely lies with the fact that the way to diagnose it is quite an invasive and in some circumstances an expensive yeah, procedure. because how much does the procedure cost in Australia? Well, luckily in Australia we have Medicare and patients can go to a public hospital mm-hmm. and get it done for nothing. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, patients also have the option of being private patients under private care and then pay depending on what the, whatever the surgeon charges for yeah. that. Now, I, I suppose on this note, what I'd like to highlight is the fact that not, not all gynecologists are trained to remove endometriosis. So oh. there are some gynecologists, and what I mean by that is some, some surgeons can remove minimal or mild disease, and then there are certain surgeons that are actually trained to remove extensive disease so there's a difference so when people see a gynecologist they should actually ask them how many cases of excision of endometriosis do you do every month okay um and what's the most complicated case you're capable of managing because i suppose they don't really know how big scale it is until they're in there exactly Ah. so um you know, I think that's that's important to understand that there are there are surgeons, gynecological surgeons, that are called advanced laparoscopic surgeons for a reason. Mm-hmm. So they, be, you know, in their training, did did further training um, to enable them to remove quite extensive disease, and it can be really tricky disease to remove. Yeah. Um, it's you know in a really complicated part of the body in the pelvis where there are lots of organs, bla- you know, bladder, bowel, blood mm-hmm. vessels, you name it. It's um, all down there. It's all down there. So. <laughs> It, it is it is uh, something that um, I would encourage people to ask their gynecologists. Yeah. So and not what, be scared to ask the gynecologist. Yeah. Well, you know? I, think, I feel like there's a lot of fuzziness around it because no one really knows what it is, what it means, how to fix it. 
and if it can if it's sort of I feel like women are very good at putting up with a fair amount of shit yeah and so if they're like oh it's painful and it's a bit rubbish x amount of times a month but I'll just cop it because I don't want to have to deal with surgery for example but is the process when say you say okay we think I think I've got endo I'm going to have the surgery to investigate to get the proper diagnosis do they sort of two and one it do they say okay we'll go to investigate whether you have it and if you do we'll get rid of it in the same surgery or do you have to have a second surgery it depends it depends on the um what the what the surgeon is capable of okay and also what they see so if you go in and you do an operation for a laparoscopy for endometriosis and you find that her disease is all over her rectum and her bowel mm-hmm. unless you have properly worked her up and consented her for bowel surgery and the complications of that yeah. you would not touch it you would not oh. go there you would just say okay post procedure I found this, there is endometriosis on your bowel. Uh-huh. And then, then you need to talk about what that means yeah. and whether that patient does need further surgery on her bowel. And if she does, then getting the appropriate surgeons, i.e. bowel surgeons, to work with a gynecologist to remove that. So that's generally how yeah. it works. Yeah. Oh, wow, there's a lot of layers there. <laughs> there are lots of layers, So yeah. And you can't, there's not really a process of, as in, you can pre-consent, pre-surgery, say, if whatever you find, wherever it is, Feel free to get rid. Can you yeah, say it that? depends on how thorough the workup has been prior. Yeah. Okay. So patients might, you know, again, before you do any, any, you touch the bowel, the patient should have had a thorough bowel um, cleanse. Oh, okay. You know, because mm-hmm. you want to minimize the amount of poo spilled into the pelvis because the more poo you have in the pelvis, you know, the more complications. Yeah. So um, there are layers of workup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and again, and every patient's different. You know, there are some patients where it's clear that any surgery is going to be complicated. Yeah. And there are, there are a few patients that end up having two or three laparoscopies over their lifetime yeah. for endo. And yeah. what's the sort of recovery time for that surgery? Generally, you know, depending again on how much disease is removed, patients, say if you're going in for a diagnostic laparoscopy and you have mild disease removed, you can go home the next day or the, yeah. the same day. Yeah. If you have more surgery uh, more extensive surgery than you're in hospital for a couple of days sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And is the entry point, is it keyhole or is it vaginal or where, how do you access? Generally it's keyhole. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you do need to convert to a laparotomy, but that's that's quite rare. I mean, you've also got to look at worldwide what what surgeons are capable of, of, of doing. So mm-hmm. in some parts of the world, you, you wouldn't even think of doing a laparotomy for a patient, yeah. which is open. Yeah. And open usually happens if you run into complication, complications from a keyhole. Yeah. So keyhole surgery is better for the patient because the patient is able to recover a lot more quickly. Yeah. They're able to get up the next day, the day, and go. Yeah. Whereas when you have open or, you know, quite extensive surgery that enables a cut of about 5 to 10 centimetres at least, there is more recovery time for that. Yeah. yeah. So ideally, keyhole, i.e. laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and... Once you have endometriosis diagnosis, what's life like from there on out? Yeah, look, some people, they have it out and great. They never have a problem with it ever mm-hmm. again. They might not have any bad period pains following that, may fall pregnant easily. Yeah. Then you have other patients whereby every couple of years pain comes back. They then need to review whether they need to have further surgery or go into medical management of yeah. the endo. And there are, you know, a few people I know, in particular, in particular, one of my very good friends who has a lot of complications following a number of laparoscopies. So she had lapar- laparoscopy after laparoscopy for severe endo. Yeah. 
many years down the track, you know, she's now menopausal, she'll, she's still having complications from surgery mm -hmm. because whenever you operate on someone, when you go to remove disease, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you create adhesions, which is, which is scar tissue. Yeah. And that can cause problems long-term as well. So, um, yeah, for some people it can be a chronic lifelong thing. Yeah. Yeah. And is it so say you're someone who you haven't had the surgery to officially diagnose, but doctors have been pretty sure that you probably have, have endometriosis yeah. and you don't have surgery, mm. it, does the situation just get worse or does your body do that thing where it sort of flushes elements of it out and some of it might be okay or you just sort of mm. sitting on a time bomb mm. down there? <laughs> um, again, I think it, is, I mean, it gets quite complicated because there are different – say, say if you're suspecting someone has endometriosis but you've not diagnosed it mm. – then you don't really know yeah. is it endo or not and that's, that's, that's the problem yeah. yeah but there are lots of things that women can do to help and minimize the amount of pain they have every month in their symptoms mm -hmm. and that's usually a multidisciplinary um, approach meaning guidance around food mm -hmm. what kind of food you eat um you know what's your diet like There's is there a lot foods of... that inflame it yeah so for example sugar highly processed foods Mm -hmm. um, the, the the worse off your diet, the worse off you're going to be. So I've had patients who've period pain, and there have been some studies that have shown this, period pain improves after they've reduced the amount of, of red meat they eat or dairy. Uh -huh. Cow's dairy, for example, is, is yeah potentially something that can make period pain worse. So that seems like, because I, I would think if you're having bad period pains, you're losing a lot of blood during your periods, you'd be like, I'm probably low on iron, need to up the red meat mm. point, and I'm probably craving more sugar because I'm having hideous periods and the build-up to them is awful. So it's a bit, I mean, yeah, it's, it, seems, it just makes things, I guess, a bit more effort for... Yeah, I mean, I think that's where people just have to, again, be mindful and, and kind of experiment with their diets. So um, I know myself, I, I drink more soy now than I uh -huh. do dairy, cow's dairy, and my period pains have improved. Wow. Now, is that placebo? What is that? Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, then you've got your supplements. So a lot of people use supplements mm. to help manage pain. Um, and I, I think supplements, when in the right hands and, and prescribed by people that actually know what they're talking about with supplements, mm. supplements can be extremely powerful. Yeah. So, um, again, you know, there's lots of stuff in the media about and all supplements is just like wasting your money and throwing – throwing your money down the, the gurgler. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that because I use supplements quite a lot and with good effect in my patients and I use them on me. Yeah. And um, I know that, you know, you can make a huge difference. Um, but it's it's making sure you know what you're taking, why you're taking it, yeah. and um, a good quality supplement as well. Mm -hmm. So, And referred by a doctor, ideally. Uh, or, or naturopaths. A lot of naturopaths yeah. um, work really well in this space. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we work a lot with naturopaths for um, period pain. Um, similarly, acupuncturists, you know, I, I refer all of my patients to yeah. acupuncturists and they, they can do wonders for period pain. Which I find terrifying and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a very old um, type of medicine, but yeah. it can really work for people. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, 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 it is one of those conditions that we actually have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. It's not just take the pill. Yeah. It's not just have surgery. Yeah. Because as soon as you have surgery and you're told you have endo, then you've got to ask the doctor, what can I do to minimize this disease from coming back? Mm -hmm. So then your naturopath's going to talk about estrogen metabolism. 
Yeah. You know, because it's an estrogen sensitive condition. What can we do to improve my estrogen metabolism and estrogen breakdown? Yeah. So that I'm not going to be going back for that second or third laparoscopy. And with the, you mentioned the pill, is that a sort of standard go-to to help with the symptom side or does it help with the actual retro bleeding situation as well? Well, the pill can reduce period pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can make periods lighter. Yeah. Um, so for some women, it's 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 a life changing thing to be on the pill. Yeah. Um, for others, it makes no difference. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I see a woman who's come to me with a history of endo and she's on the pill, she doesn't need any contraception, but mm-hmm. she's still got pain and, and bad bleeding on the pill. I'm like, well, why are you on it? Yeah. Let's just take you off it. And see that doesn't what we make can do. it worse. Not always, no, because some people actually have no difference on the pill. Yeah. So the pill's not no guarantee. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that the pill is actually even going to stop the endo from coming back. Yeah. Um, there are it, no guarantees. Yeah. So, so my, one of my friends was recommended to go on the pill because she hasn't been fully diagnosed surgery-wise, but it theory is that she potentially has endo and has been suggested to go on the pill to see if that helps on the symptom side of things. But obviously going on the pill for some people brings out a whole host of other side effects that they mm. don't want to have to deal with. So it seems like... Some people are sort of stuck in a rock, between a rock and a hard place of choosing between which symptoms are less shit. Well, that's right. <laughs> I mean, there are some patients that go on to um, kind of hardcore hormonal therapy. Mm. Um, so not, not not just the combined oral contraceptive pill is an option. There are, you know, um, what we call GnRH agonists. There are things like Danazole, so quite old drugs that we've used for a long time that can really suppress a woman's menstrual cycle, make her menopausal, give her yeah. hot flushes. But, hey, period pain's not there. But then you wouldn't recommend that for someone who potentially still might want to have children in the future? No, I generally don't because yeah. the, the side effects can be quite extreme and I have seen women take a long time to recover from mm-hmm. those those options. But, again, for some women, again, life-changing. Yeah. So, you know, we can discuss all of this, but what it comes always down to is what does the patient want after she's discussed her options with the doctor and after she's actually done some reading. Yeah. So I always say to people, go away and don't just look at web websites and Google Google. Yeah, um, you just know, always pages. end up diagnosing yourself with something yeah. much worse. Read a book about it. Yeah. You know, um, read a book about this condition, not just one book. Mm-hmm. Read a book written by a doctor. Read a book written by a, a patient who has the condition. Yeah. Open your mind to that. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't just stick to your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed for information yeah. because that's when. You know, people, I just don't get get the best information. Um, or they get the extreme scary side of the information. Yeah, and not the, and exactly. The helpful, helpful bits. Helping yeah. bits. <laughs> yeah. Helpful bits. Yeah. So I'm big on people sharing information, but mm. the written word is a big thing. It's yeah. is, is huge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and is it a myth that even though endometriosis often can affect fertility, pregnancy can sometimes cure endo? Um. I have a patient who um, would hate the fact that you've said that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, because um, uh, uh, that's a load of crap. It is because um, I think what, what happens when, and traditionally women were told that, oh, you know, you might have really bad period pain and you've got endo, just get pregnant and you'll feel better. Which I mean, is I feel like terrible. the solution of just get pregnant is never the right answer it's for never anything. the right answer. And what I think what happens what I think why some women may actually have less pain 
after a baby, especially if that baby's born vaginally, mm. their um, uterus is never the same. The baby comes out of the, the uterus, it comes out of the um, what we call the cervical os. That gets stretched quite quite significantly yeah and I actually think outflow changes so the, the actual ability for that blood to flow out from her body is has, easier has improved yeah um so you just sort of extended the corridor slightly yeah so look I mean I think yeah and there's there is no evidence to actually back that up yeah so um <laughs> no that's good I wanted you to I don't think anyone should ever say that to a woman yeah well, it doesn't seem like it's a very productive piece of advice because it's like, oh, well, you've got this one symptom here. How about uh, having yeah. a child and raising it <laughs> for the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. That might sort yeah. it out. And, you know, what if what if a woman has infertility and yeah. you say that to a woman who has infertility? I mean, how freaking insensitive is that? Yeah. So insensitive. And um, and then what if she doesn't want kids? Yeah. It's not <laughs> Again, you know. You um, can't prescribe babies. No. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so is is endometriosis hereditary like if if your mum had it is are you more likely to have it is your sister more likely to have it what's the is there a, yep. a thread within families there's definitely a thread yeah. yeah so thinking is that endometriosis may be partially genetic and partially environmental uh-huh so um I, I always ask people about their family histories and invariably when a woman has endometriosis or there is a question mark around that and you can see her mum's had it, her sister's mm-hmm. had it, any bet she's got it. Yeah. Or she has, she's at higher risk. So you're more likely to do a, a laparoscopy in her. Yeah. You know, um, because that's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't think that there is one specific gene that, uh, causes endometriosis is probably a, what we call a multigenic or multifactorial condition. Okay. So one prime example of that might be that um, I might have mutations or gene changes in the genes that actually metabolize and break down estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, that mean that I'm not able to clear estrogen as effectively from my body. Yeah. And where do I get those genes from? I get them from my mum yeah. and my dad. And my sister's going to share some of that as well. Yeah. So um, an environmental you know, so um, you might grow up in a household that, um, I don't know, you know, from the age of 13, your mum said just apply all the makeup you want on your face. Mm-hmm. And we know that a lot of makeup has what we call um, xenoestrogens in them, which act like estrogens, so chemicals that act like estrogens that block our body's ability to get rid of estrogen, its own estrogen, but also add to that, that load, that chemical load. So, um, so if you... Wearing a lot of makeup consistently, it can affect your periods. Yeah, look, if you think about it, you're putting stuff on your skin. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Queen Elizabeth, one of the queens. Oh, they used to put lead. Yeah, the, the thinking was that she died of lead poisoning. Yeah. So when you think about how hormone patches work, how nicobate patches work, your your skin is highly absorbent. Anything you put on your skin will will be absorbed in some way or another. If you're applying makeup, foundation, even moisturizer, sunscreen, yeah. that's being absorbed by your body. But what, what's it doing to your body? Oh God! That and there's a lot of so infor- there's a lot of information coming through, and there has been information about this for years. But, but it's only are. now people are listening to this. Mm. So, so I, I would encourage women don't wear makeup. Yeah, don't wear it. So is it certain types of? Is it is there a specific ingredient people need to be looking out for in makeup to? Make sure that doesn't throw anything off. Yep. So um, the parabens, the phthalates, uh-huh. they're, the, they're a couple of the two big ones. Yeah. Yep. 
uh, also found in, in perfumes. Oh um, yeah, you could do just do a heap of podcasts on that. Oh my god, alone, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's another episode. Like the stuff that you're putting on your face that's yep. screwing up you. Yeah, what you're putting under your armpits, you know, yeah. what you're putting in your vagina, tampons, mm-hmm. you know, have dioxins, more more likely to have dioxins in them, which actually can and have been linked to endometriosis. Wow. Um, so and that's the great thing about the moddy body. You're not <laughs> putting anything in your vag. <laughs> well, there's a thing is that when people say that um, – with feedback from customers on social media they say that their period their cramps are less intense and their periods aren't as painful i have to say the same thing since using money yep i um i i'm usually a massive tampon user yeah and since using these moddy bodies and not using tampons i have a lot less cramps it's weird isn't it the same thing happened to me and i and i feel like they're also lighter yep yep like i definitely because the based off the remit that I would definitely use more than two tampons a day and the heavy overnights are meant to be two tampons worth a day. So the first time I wore them, I was like, dear God, this is going to be horrendous. And then didn't really like, had a substantial amount of blood, but didn't bleed through, was very shocked that there wasn't as much as I thought there was going to be. Because even when I was using a cup, there seemed to be a lot more than when I was using the undies. And I felt a lot more comfortable, less crampy, less bloating. Mm. It was, it's a, it just seems a bit more soothed <laughs> i think that it just feels more more gentle mm. wearing the moddy bodies um you know like uh for everybody listening i don't have any shares in moddy body <laughs> but i really like the product which is why just paying we've connected <laughs> we've connected and um you know i actually think it's kind of therapeutic from my perspective actually seeing blood flow yeah, it's a weird thing that I was a bit afraid body. to see it the first time after being using tampons. I got my period when I was like 12, 13 and we used tampons pretty early on. And so just never really been aware mm. of what was actually coming out, what it looked like, how much of it there was, was a bit weirded out by it. And I think people get scared of the thought of even when you wash your body, body undies, you have to just rinse them. The blood. And people are like, oh, I don't want to so, see it, I, I want to touch that. it. I'm I love like, that. I mean, you know, it's a, your body's working, it's doing its, it's doing, doing what it's meant to do. I hang my pants in the bathroom. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I think that's the thing about reconnecting with our bodies. You know, why Why be ashamed of, mm. of your period? Why even go, oh, blood, yuck? Why even yeah. say that? I mean, such a weird why? Thing. I don't get that. I no. actually don't. And I just think women need to just go change the conversation again that they have in their heads mm-hmm. about their periods. Oh, I completely You know, um, because as Lara Bryden she's a well-known naturopath, says, you know, uh, I think it was Lara Bryden, um, it's, a, it's a report card. Your periods mm. are, are a report card. And if you're not getting regular periods or periods that you think are, are normal or healthy, then it's a report card. Mm-hmm. It's a sign that you need to talk to someone about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a good way to sort of check in, make sure everything's working all right. Yep. Yeah. Um, is endometriosis ever a death sentence? Um. I suppose, yeah, what, what could, well, I don't know, it depends on how you see death, hey? <laughs> that brings up a whole thing about death, but um, by that do you mean, is it, it is it equivalent to being given a death sentence? Well, can that ever be the cause of someone's death? Like, Oh, I see, no, because it's a benign condition. Okay. So... Um, it won't cause death. And you can't ever be in such an incredible pain that 
Although some women, when they're going through the period pain associated with endo, not even endo, just period pain itself yeah. can be extremely painful oh, for yeah. people. You know, people can pass out, mm-hmm. they vomit, they they are out of action. So some people do feel that they are dying. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are some women that I've actually seen that say their period pain was worse than them giving birth. Wow. So that puts that into perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. Just interrupting this episode to bring you a quick message from our lovely sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Red, Moddy Body's little sister brand. Moddy Body is Australia's number one period underwear brand, and their undies have been developed to cater for every cycle, whether you're a light spotter or have a heavy flow. And the undies come in glorious styles, colors, cuts, and patterns. Some Moddy Body customers struggle with endometriosis themselves and have said that managing their period has become a million times easier with the Moddy Body undies, even reducing their cramping in comparison to tampon use. So, if you want to make the sustainable switch, toss out your tampons and try period pants for the first time, feel free to use the code SEEINGRED at the checkout to get 15% off your order. That's SEEINGRED. S-E-E-I-N-G-R-E-D. We've added the links to the Moddy Body website in our show notes, so you can head there straight after the episode. For this week's first segment, we obviously had to chat to someone who deals with endometriosis on a first-hand basis. So we spoke to the lovely Emily, who runs the website and Instagram account, The Heat Pack Club. There she offers advice on pain management and is beautifully honest about what endo means for her. She also featured in one of our Moddy Body campaigns, so if you want to see her looking and feeling phenomenal in Moddy Body underwear, then head to the Moddy Body Instagram page. But for now, here are Emily's firsts. My first period, I was 12 years old. It was at the end of year eight over the Christmas holidays. It came five days before Christmas. And I can tell you now, I was absolutely not prepared. I had read books. I had gone to sex education classes at school and health classes. I had read stuff on the internet and nothing prepared me for what happened in my first period. This is good advice to all you young people out there who are listening or to mothers to give information to their children. There is no one size fits all information. What happens to someone on their first period doesn't mean that it's going to happen for you. All of my friends at the time were telling me what happened in their first period and none of that happened to me. I had a really scary first period because I didn't realize how heavy and irregular mine was going to be. There was no information at that time on irregular periods or heavy periods. It was just use this tampon or pad and off you go. So the information today is so much better, but it is also a good idea not to get too caught up into it because that doesn't mean that that's going to happen to you. You need to work with your body, what works best for you. And if you don't think something is right, follow your gut instinct and go and get help from a doctor. My first period... I was definitely not prepared for the fact that my first period was going to be so heavy and I had only worn a tampon because I 
wasn't taught to wear a liner with it from any of the information that I had been given at school and in the books that I'd read. So I was on a bus in the middle of Sydney and got off and felt a rush of liquid between my legs and had to race to the bathroom to find that it had ruined my underpants and my jeans. So thankfully I had a cardigan on and I wrapped that around my waist and had to rush back home. But yeah, that was pretty mortifying. So I learned pretty quickly after that to use all of the protection available. My first candid conversation about periods was probably my early 20s when I started nursing school and I felt really comfortable talking to my girlfriends at uni about my periods but I honestly don't remember having a comfortable conversation with anyone about my periods before that. Even in high school because I knew that my periods weren't right. Some, I didn't know they weren't normal but I knew something wasn't right because they were always regular they were heavy I was too embarrassed to ever ask anyone if they were experiencing it as well so definitely not until my early 20s I felt comfortable talking to anyone about it my first PMS induced fight I don't think I've ever actually had a fight with anyone over it um, but I've definitely had a lot of arguments and built up a lot of tension over the years I'm more of someone who will uh, allow it to brew inside of me until I snap and then I will go and cry for about an hour but I don't think I've ever actually had a fight with anyone it's more of a outburst and then run away and cry about it my first time wearing period underwear was in 2018 when I found Modi Body and I bought a, a trial pair that had the 30-day money-back guarantee um, I tried them on straight away, they were super comfortable, I didn't even wait for my period to come around before I immediately went and bought the 7 day uh, bundle pack, which I was so happy I did because they came just in time for my next period and it was the most comfortable period I have ever had. Even with all the pain that I go through during my period, I didn't have to worry about changing pads and tampons and worrying about leaking. It just took so much stress out of having my period and it still does to this day. So that's the end of episode three. I hope you learned something new about endo during my little chat with Dr. Tash. And if you feel like you're dealing with any of the symptoms discussed on today's show, then please do book in for an appointment with your doctor to discuss them further. That one appointment might mark the beginning of the end of your battle with period pain so it's worth diving in. Next week, we're talking all about color. And by that, I mean we're going to get real graphic about what color your period should be. So if you get your period in the next week or so, take note of what shades you're seeing down there so you can get all the info related to your hue in the next episode. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really means a lot to me and the Modi Body team if you do. I'm pretty sure... Once we reach a notifiably high subscriber number, then we'll get some celebratory cake in the office. So don't let me down, folks. There are carbs on the line here. Catch you next week.